Hello and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast where we talk about all things Commander. And this week we have a special episode. You are all invited to enroll in the University of Jank where uh, you will pair up with one of four professors. No, not that professor. The goldfish professor that's heading your school. Uh, and the first professor would be Tomer, Budget Commander. How are you doing, Tomer? I'm doing well. I'm I'm excited for the first day of class uh, to share my lessons with the the viewers at home on how to play Commander the right way. And there's only a right way. There's no such thing as opinions. There's the right way and the wrong way. And I'll show you why my lesson plan is a superior one. All right. And uh, we have Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, uh, a grizzly veteran at the University of Jank. He's, I heard he flunked uh, Jace, Vrind's uh, Prodigy. And... He's a grizzly yeah, that... veteran or he's a grizzly oh, that veteran? Is, that, is, that is true. I did flunk Jace back in the day, but uh, yeah, I, I, I promise I won't grade too hard this time around. <laughs> and then we have the Asian Avenger Krim. How are you doing, Krim? What's up? <laughs> it's your favorite class. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to hang out with your favorite professor. <laughs> I assume Krim I mean, is like the like the elective that's like super easy and everybody just chill. You yeah. get like a free A when you walk away. Like, yeah, like I, I'm probably asleep when you walk in. You know, and you're learning like, like yeah, Game yeah, of just... Thrones philosophy or something. No, just, just yeah. sit down and, and watch the movie. I'm, yeah. I'm going to bed. Krim <laughs> needs a All nap. Right. He had a long night. <laughs> so uh, each of us professors, head of our schools, will will be outlining our philosophies or maybe maybe ways we play Commander and whatever school you jive best with you can enroll and we'll put up a little youtube poll afterwards uh maybe we'll use the the sorting helm of cauldra to put you into the right school uh but before we do that today's show is brought to you by card conduit the easiest way to sell your magic cards card conduit lets you skip all the typing time and work associated with buy listing you can send in as many cards as you want with buy list value of one or more and you'll pay just a five percent service fee you can also use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay only two percent no matter which option you choose you get a detailed report and a fast payment once your order is processed you can get 10 percent off by going ahead uh, to cardconduit.com slash goldfish so thank you card conduit for providing scholarships for today's enrollment uh so uh we're gonna go over our our advice tidbits philosophies uh, and then you join our school and then uh, get corrupted and we'll teach you the one right way to play commander uh there's only four of us we'll have to battle it out to to win your hearts so seth you flunked Jace. What did Jace I've, get wrong? What is your uh, first? So, okay, <laughs> what is first so, on the curriculum for Jace? <laughs> so first, first on the curriculum is uh, that the real winner of a game of Commander is whoever does the coolest thing in the game of Commander. There are a lot of formats in Magic. So many formats. Modern, Legacy, Draft, Standard. And in every one of those formats... The goal is to to win the game. You're trying to get your opponent's life total down to zero before your opponent does that to you. And that is the entire purpose. And you want to play whatever cards are going to make that happen most consistently. So you win the most. Commander is the one exception to this rule. In Commander, 
it's not really about who wins. Like, it's not who's the last person standing when everyone else's life totals down to zero. What it's really about is this is a format where you get to do cool things that you can't do anyplace else. In standard, you're going to have to sacrifice all your cool things to invoke despair. In modern, it's going to get countered or you're going to die on turn three to a hammer or a murktite or whatever. In legacy, it gets forced world. In commander, this is your chance. If there's ever been a cool thing or a cool archetype or a neat synergy that that you've wanted to explore this is a format to do that and you should really embrace that and even if you end up losing and you're the first one out as long as you did your cool thing you're really the winner of the game at commander so that's how i view commander uh, and that's it has a huge impact on my card selection too uh, like i don't want to play those cards that are gonna necessarily win me the game it's not fun for me to blood moon lock the table out and beat everyone down like i love that in modern that's one of my favorite things to do but in commander it's just not about that because you're not doing the cool thing so that's that's it it's that simple the real winner is whoever does the the coolest thing at the table yeah i agree with that like 100 percent um commander is in unique in that um a lot of the stuff that just doesn't fly in every other format it has a chance of, of working out um, in Commander. And yeah, as soon as, I, I always, I, I, I follow this philosophy too. It's like, if my deck got to pop off and do its thing, then I can die happy. Like, that's that's usually how it goes. Like, um, if I get to do my thing and then you kill me, I'm like, okay, great. Now you got a chance to do your thing. I die happy. Like, the worst thing ever is, like, if you die and you didn't even get to show what your deck was about, right? Like, you, you like, played, like, three cards and then you just got stomped on, then then it sucks. But, like, if you got to pop off a little bit, you got to do what your deck wanted to do, and then you die, like, okay, I didn't win, but, like, I got to do my thing, and that's cool. Now, you tell me, Tomer, like, you play a game of Commander, you assemble Cauldra, and then you end up dying the next turn... You go to bed that night feeling like the winner, right? Like, don't you don't you go down like feeling <laughs> like you actually won that game, even though by like life totals or all that you know inconsequential stuff, technically you didn't. I don't know. That's how it works for me. If I get to do my big Panharmonicon thing or pull off some janky four card right. combo, I don't really care if I win or lose. Like, none, none of that actually matters. I think I've assembled combo uh, Calder successfully like maybe six times in my entire life, and I've tried to force it like <laughs> at least over a hundred times because I have a paper Calder deck. So yes, if I do manage to actually assemble Calder, that in itself, it itself is a, a major thief. Especially if I have someone like Krim at the table, who I know is going to try his damnedest to to like exile it or make sure it never sits on the table. Uh, like, this is a hard times, fight. How many That's did you actually fight. win? Uh, once. <laughs> once. <laughs> once. Actually, no. I won twice because I won once on stream. Yes. So twice. I've won twice with Calder out of like over 100 games. I see you shaking your head, Richard. Do you disagree with my, my commander philosophy? Look, there, there, there's a couple problems with your philosophy. So one is cool varies by person. It, yep. So for yeah. the yep. first... You know, like, Krim is like, oh, you know, let me just lock out the table by continually wrathing the board of whatever that black enchantment is. He thinks it's cool. That I is think it's cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? So we, we have a conflict here. Or more generally, let's say a new player comes to the table. They play Avenger of Zendikar and Crater Hoof Behemoth. Right? That's cool to them. They're like, oh, my God. Right? Like, I, I play standard all day and look at this flashy stuff. But then Seth is there like, I've seen this a million times. That's not cool. <laughs> Right, so it, it varies a bit, so that's weird. But I think you gotta win. Well, I think you gotta do the cool thing makes that. and win. Because <laughs> if you just do the cool thing and lose, 
you know, you get some brownie points, but you, you have to, like, win to get, put the cherry on top, right? It's like, you can play a jank homebrew at a GP, and you may have fun, but it really caps it off if you actually win the GP with the jank homebrew. So but, I feel uh, like if you play the jank homebrew and you win with it, that's where people know it's legit, and then that's where it becomes really fun. I I I would agree with that in general. Like winning, I guess, is also nice. But it, given the choice, though, like is winning without doing something cool satisfying to you in a game of Commander? Because no, that's kind of no. where so I come from. Yeah. Like if you win and you didn't do anything cool, like I don't feel like I actually won. Like if I just Blood Moon lock the table and do, you know beat y'all down. I don't actually come yes. away from that feeling like I win, even though if technically I did win. So from that perspective, I think it, it kind of makes like sense. If I, if I walk in and thorkle you and go out, like, that's not cool. Right? Yeah. Like if, I, if I come to the table, play three Kithkin, get hard locked by Krim out of the thing, I don't, I don't feel like I, I accomplished anything and achieved spreading, my goals Spreading either. plague, Richard, by the way. Spreading plague. Okay, that's the name of that card from my memory. I don't, I don't know what that card no. is. So I, I think there's some middle ground here. Like yeah. You have to do the cool thing. And you have to have some success. Like, maybe if you kill one person with Cauldra, that's good enough. But if you just assemble Cauldra and then someone just, like, Thorkles, and you're like, wow, okay, cool. Look, look, like I said, you know how hard it is to assemble Cauldra, right? I'll take that W. I think I think also, I, I agree with that end of the, like, it's always, it's nice to win, too. Like, if I've just, like, lost, like, the last 20 games in a row, <laughs> I, I mean, if I got to do the thing every single time, then I don't think I would be that salty, actually. But um, I think I think the the wanting to win is always okay, but like expecting to win is is not a, a great mindset for Commander in particular, just because it's a four player game. So the odds of you winning are going to be so much lower than a one v one game. A one v one game, you expect to win at least like fifty percent of the time. If you're very good, you win like sixty percent of the time. I don't know what like the pro stats are, but if it's a four player game, like if everything's equal, then it's going to be only 25% of the time. That's only one in four games that you're going to be winning. If you're like supernaturally good or just on a hot streak or something, maybe you'll win like 40% of the time. But like if you expect to win most games, then you're you're going to be in for um, some frustration, I think, in Commander. And I think if you're winning 40% of the time or 50% of the time, that's probably actually a bad thing in Commander. Like, if you're actually winning that much, it probably means, like, there's some imbalance or your deck isn't cool enough or, like, it's too spiky for the rest of the group or something. So I think that's, like, I don't know. The way I view this is I enjoy Commander more when I, like, take a few percentages off my match win rate by, like, <laughs> replacing some of the really spiky let-me-win-thorical cards with cards that can do something fun and interesting and cool. Uh, so even though I win a little bit less, I enjoy the experience more, and that's what Commander is about for me. It's like having a good time while I'm, while I'm doing it more so than, you know, being the person on top at the end of the game. I fully agree with that uh, philosophy, that whoever does the coolest thing, but like Richard mentioned, cool is a... Uh relative right so uh, so i 100 percent agree with you said that's a very good philosophy but yeah i I think winning is cool (laughs) there we go i've fixed it i don't i don't i don't actually care about winning so i know that just and then like the entire youtube comments just wait what what do you mean Like, like i genuinely do not care about winning i care that I got to do what I wanted to do, which is mostly just troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, and I that is why yeah that's it is true that's why i always feel like i win when i walk away from a game <laughs> i don't think i've lost a game by that by that metric. so the real winner is whoever trolls the most i think yeah i think doing the coolest thing like i think the 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 greatest experience i ever have playing commander is if i bring a deck that everybody at the table thought was really cool well, then I feel, yeah. like, really good. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, the DM Oh, and no, me. no, no. No, uh, no, yeah. Maybe that's the DM. I, I never care if anybody yeah. thinks As a dungeon master, cool. people say, like, oh, I really liked your adventure. Your adventure was really cool. Like, I'm like, I, like, I ride that high for, like, the entire day. I think that's, a, like, similar thing on Commander. Like, the number one goal would be, like, if everybody was to, like, oh, Tomer, that deck was really cool. Instead of being like, oh, Tomer, never play that again. That was awful. I, I'm right there with you. I would rather have the compliment be that deck was really cool than that deck was really good. Like, if I had to choose yeah. between the two, I would rather have someone tell me they thought it was a cool deck than a good deck. I but like ideally, it'll be both. I can't, I can't believe I lost to Spirited Companion. Yeah. <laughs> that that I mean, is what I like to hear. I'm like, nice, nice steam deck, Richard. What are you going to bring out your real deck? Like, oh, I lost. So, yes, yes Spirited I mean, Companion. How, how cool is it that, like, you have a Fledgling Osprey deck and you killed us with Fledgling Osprey? Like, that is such a cool moment. Everybody walked away not being like, oh, my God, Richard the Pub Stomper. It's like, no, Richard, was, that was a really cool deck. Yeah, but, but if I played Fledgling Osprey and it did nothing, you'd be like, ah, oh, Richard, playing yeah. a steam deck. Yeah, yeah, you play you gotta, well. You gotta, you you gotta, gotta win well. to, to send a message. You know, you gotta get yeah. that bird to fly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, well, Richard, what All do right. you got so, for us? So, so Seth, Seth in his participation school there. Let me <laughs> let me give you some real tricks about how to take your cool thing and win with it. And that is Richard's number one rule of commander: is never, ever be arch enemy, ever. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you are the player that looks like you're winning. Then three people will gang up on you, and you have, like, zero chance, basically, right? Because what that means is there's, you know, imagine it's 1v1, right? You're playing 1v1. Someone has three times the cards, three times the extra turns. Imagine, like, three Nexus of Fates going off, and that's what you're up against when you're going Arch Enemy, right? Because there's three players. They have three combat steps, three upkeeps, three main phases, well, six main phases. You can't win. So you, you want to hang back. And let someone else take the heat. And then when you become arch enemy, you must win immediately. So what what does that mean, right? Like maybe you're storming off and people are like, hey, he's pretty scary, but it's too late. We can't stop him, <laughs> right? Or, you know, you, you have a scary board and people try to stop it, but you have four counter spells now. They can't stop it anymore. So never be arch enemy. And I think people people get too happy to be aggressive early. So it's like you're running a marathon and someone like sprints out like Usain Bolt in the first like 100 meters and like, yes, I'm winning. But they can't sustain it for the whole marathon and then they lose. Um, just like any team sport, like you got you to draft behind the leader. So like NASCAR, or whatever, you don't want to be the guy in front taking all the, the wind resistance. You want to be sitting back in second, maybe third, so that one and two crash and then you just like cruise in for the victory. So, yeah, so I, I never like being Arch Enemy, and you can see that in all of my card analysis, right? I'm like, this card makes you look scary, but it doesn't win you the game, so it just kills you. <laughs> and always be in second. And then at the last, unlike Krim, who stays in second till the end, <laughs> the last moment, <laughs> you jump into first. <laughs> Whoa, you shift gears? Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> There's gears? <laughs> I, I comfortably coast in second. I mean, I, I, 
I think that like does boost your win percentage a lot, right? Like we've seen it time and time again where the person who's in like second or in third or or the person who's in dead last who has done nothing all game. Like I'm thinking recently we had the last game of the season was with Tom or uh, the last season with Tom, season 14. Uh, Phil did like literally nothing all game. He was not he was not the threat. He was stuck on lands um, and he like played like a worm coil engine. For the for the entirety of the game, that was his his con- contribution. Yeah, that was not with Tom. That was not with Tom. But, that was, oh, that was, that was, that was Andrew. That was Sorry, stuff. that was the mid. Yeah. that was the the bonus round. Sorry, that was the bonus round. He was like, so Phil was uh in in dead last. And minor spoiler, he 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 contributed very little to the game. He was not scary. At no point was there any reason to attack it because he it was objectively the wrong call. But when the dust settled. He was the only one who had anything left on the board. Everybody just wasted all their removal. He just walked in and he 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 snagged that W. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but like uh, being in second place or third place and being able to con- to convince the, the table to uh, attack somebody else and waste their resources, stopping that person means when you pop off, they won't have the resources to stop you anymore. I don't. You I don't need know to be right behind about. the pack. You can't be yeah. a mile away. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can. Like Phil, Phil pulled it off, but like that's that's a rare event. It is funny when it happens, it, though. It's hilarious because that exact game, I was stuck on lands and I got hit <laughs> immediately. <laughs> well, you 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 threw down the gauntlet on me, Krim. You were like, let's let's ruin Tomer's day, and I was like, okay, fine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bring well, you it. kept hitting me, so I. You know what? I think you took the I lead was early. You for like three then, damage, like three, literally three with damage. Sword of fire and ice. It was you three damage. I would, oh, I would, I would take Richard's like never be arch enemy even further though, because I think one thing I almost had on my list today but didn't quite make it was like don't make enemies for no reason, even further yeah. than like don't become the arch enemy. One mistake I see people make is just like firing off removal on things that don't really matter firing off attacks aggressively that don't actually really do anything other than anger a player and then you can't be in that position of like sitting in second or sitting in third and waiting for the rest of the battle to like play out and then sneak in and get the win so i think like avoid poking the bear for no reason essentially like i I would take it even further that like don't don't make a don't make an enemy if you don't have to because i think that's like just the easy way to even if you're not arch enemy like even if one person at the table is coming at you like you and krem were just going back and forth something about a sword hit for three damage and then next thing you know the entire game is you guys trying to kill each other like that's not going to lead to you ending up winning the game getting into a battle like that that really isn't relevant to the overall game i have a point that i I swapped my points around to to answer that but i i will i will say on, on this point as well um in terms of like like don't be an arch enemy don't try to accrue threat um i i kind of like i kind of like seth's original point with the real winner is the one who does the cool things regardless if they win or not sometimes you just want to play a cool deck that you know is going to be an arch enemy as long as you're chill about it like phil for example phil will always pick like the most explosive you have to kill me arch enemy commander out of any set whenever we have a new episode he's like new on math let's go anything that casts eight mana spells all day long and blade and thieveries for days sure sign me up and he's always going to get the aggro on it because we know what's going to happen and if he pops off he kind of wins the game um but he enjoys it 
And he likes it. And when he dies, he's not like, oh, that sucked. He was like, oh, man, did you see the time that I got to cast two spells before I died? That was awesome. And, like, I think that's, that's honestly refreshing. Like, sometimes yeah. sometimes if you, if you, if you want to have high win percentage, Richard, you're 100% correct. If you just want to play, like, the splashy thing and embrace being arch enemy a little bit, yeah, you'll probably die. Your win percentage will go down. But you can still enjoy it. You can still enjoy the ride, the value town, before it crashes and burns. Sometimes you just want to log in and go hog wild, you know? Like, I don't care about winning. I just want to cast the big spells. Yeah. And that's great. Just make sure you're actually casting the big spells. <laughs> What's worse is, like, you look like you're scary, i.e. playing, like, a very feared commander. Like, let's say you're playing Prosper, and then you don't play the Prosper cards. You just play random jank, and everyone's like, oh, my God, I'm terrified of them. They all murder you, and you have, like, nothing. So, yeah, so when you are Arch Enemy, you need to embrace it and you need to uh, have the firepower to, to fight back. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's you just really get beat up on. <laughs> and, yeah, like Tumber said, don't get salty about it. If you're going to play, like, one of those commanders that just snowballs into a victory and people kill it and then you get salty, that's, like, one of the biggest <laughs> the biggest annoyances. Like, we, what do you expect everyone else to do? Like, just let you combo off and win the game? So, yeah, if you're going to if you're gonna be the arch enemy, I guess you got to embrace it. All right, Tomer. What does yeah. the school of Tomer hold? This is an old. This is a later point that I swapped a little bit early. As soon as Seth was talking about, you know, don't make enemies early, don't poke the bear and everything. My philosophy is the opposite. Don't play scared. All right, don't be afraid to to get first blood on somebody. The game is going to end. This is the whole point. This is why we sat down to play a game of Commander. Is we're trying to win. We're trying to blow up other people's boards. And we're trying to lower people's life totals to zero. Or just combo off and win. And, and win with alternative uh, win conditions. We don't have to We don't have to be like uh, all timid about about what, what we signed up for, I think. And so that's why I always go for the punch. You know? <laughs> if somebody's like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> And someone's like, oh, don't hit me. I might I might remove your thing. I'm like, okay, bring it. I'm gonna hit you now. And but, if you, if you remove it, in that exact situation, it. I did bring it and Good. I answered. Good. I, and it was no. fun. So you know what? Wouldn't wouldn't it be better to still have all your stuff? No. No. I want I don't play scared. I don't I don't deal with terrorists, all right? I don't listen to your demands, alright? You're not holding me hostage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna swing in. I'm the aggro player. You gotta deal with me, and if you deal with me, good job. You've, you've dealt with me. But I, we're, we're here to play commander. We're here to, to kill each other, and I intend to do that. You know. So when people are like, oh, like the, 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 the thing that, that always rustles my jimmies the most is when somebody, like one person, there's a blue, there's like a control player at the table or something, and he says like, oh, well. Uh, if if I let you resolve this spell, will you uh, allow me to win the game, please? And I'm like, and, and a lot of people are like, oh yeah, please, please don't counter my spell, Mister Blue Mange. Oh, I'll never attack you. No, I won't ever remove any of your 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 permanence. No, I'll, just, I'll let you do whatever you want. Please don't counter me. Oh no, Bin, don't hurt me, Mister Blue Mange. This was actually just over though. <laughs> yeah, like, like no, it was. was that. That. No, I never, I never go into these 
just amazing. I'm thinking about y- y'all when you're always wheeling and dealing with creamy. He's like, oh, well, if I let you resolve this spell, will you will you be nice? No, to me? you I'm say like, no. I don't have enough information to make a decision. And you just yes. do what you want to do, or or just take it a step further. It's like I don't engage with terrorism, and you cast your spell. All right, and but if if they if they counter your spell, then good. And then you can continue the game. Don't play scared. But don't you want them someone? Have it. Don't you want someone else to make them have it though? That's the thing about commanders. You have three other people. Like, yeah, but if you're all, why do I babies? have to be the one to get my spell count? Why don't I just wait till it's your turn and you can run out your and then one commander into the counter too. and then I'll, I'll resolve something. <laughs> what if I play scared too? And also, like, not all your spells are equal, right? You could run out the stuff that you don't care as much to be countered to save your other thing. So. I, I I try to I try to make the person have it because if, if there's a control player at the table, this is like the number number one uh, advice for anybody who's struggling up against control and commander. They have a limited amount of answers. Uh, if they get to sit on those answers and never use it, the best removal is the removal you never have to cast. That has been taught to me time and time again by the people at this table, at this very table. Like. Krim does not want to use his one counter spell. He wants to save that counter spell and leverage it against the rest of you. And if he gets to do that successfully, uh, he's going to be in a very game-winning position. The way you beat control players is you make them use the cards in their freaking hand, and then you can beat them down afterwards. So th- that's how I that's how I always play. You make, you make Tomer yeah. use the counter spell in Krim's head, and then you beat them both down afterwards because they they just yes. senselessly beat each other up. No, Technically, I, I won't say that is how literally last game went. Don't play dumb as well, but like like none of these things have to be taken to the absolute like comical extreme. Like if other people are 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 expecting you to do all the dirty work for them, you don't have to play into their hands. But like at the same time, you don't want the entire table just giving the game away to the control player or whatever because they have like one removal spell in their hand like you gotta deal with the you gotta you gotta punch people you gotta make you gotta you gotta progress the game you gotta punch people all right just punch I, people. I, I, I agree with Tober's overall philosophy but i don't really agree with these examples charging head first into seth or whatever because he wants to grab first blood like i, I don't know about that one but I, I do agree that most people play overly cautious. They're like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. what if this gets removed? Or what if this gets counterspelled? And <clears throat> you need to think whether the other person will counter it or not. Mm. And most of the time, you can probably predict that. Uh, but I also wouldn't just randomly make enemies for fun to show how <laughs> uh, brave I am. Like that, that, that's like literally the person I want to see, right? Like you're the meat shield that will come in, absorb all the like removal of cards, and then I, I will come in. Like you're, you're literally the guy taking all the wind resistance. And then I, I will come in after your corpse is done and mop up. So, I, yeah. I can't count how many games Richard has won that way, where, like, Tomer and Cram or me and Tomer, like, someone gets into this, like, side fight where we just, like, battle the whole game and then Richard wins at the end. So, uh, it is true. That is how it works. It's better than everybody meekly being like, oh, please, I don't, I don't want to hurt nobody. I'm <laughs> no no one says that, Tomer. <laughs> That's what you all, you all need me. You need some aggro at the table or else you all be all... Speak to each other. <laughs> All right. Crim. All right. What do, well, what do we have, fun professor? <laughs> As the professor of fun, I'm pretty much like your favorite studies, history, whatever. Well, I'm gonna go with the essential uh, professor here, and that's play to disrupt. Um, yeah. 
play to disrupt. I fully believe, whereas don't become arch enemy, don't do yada yada yada. No, no, no. The, the first thing you need to do is play to disrupt, be okay with getting disrupted. And that means, A, run the removal, run the counter spells, be ready to interact because you know three other players on average won't interact. So, like, example, yes, Richard benefits from playing in a pod with me because he doesn't need to run removal because I'll do all of it. Every game of Commander I play, I spend most of my turns answering everybody's stuff and never actually deploying my own stuff. So, <laughs> that's when I came to the him. real... You're enabling him. <laughs> yeah, I am enabling Richard. I am backing Richard's philosophy because, A, I'm the one that's like, yeah, you know what, let me spend my turn sweeping the board. Let me spend my turn doing all these things. But on top of that, like, I do genuinely think that playing to disrupt is a, a is is huge. I think in a, I'm not even talking, like, disrupt to, like, win the game. I mean, I'm talking play to disrupt as in, like, so we don't lose. So we like so nobody can like immediately end the game on the spot. So I believe that you should be interacting as much as possible, as much as possible. It, like like it is, it is kind of often thought that like in a game of commander, you know, just let everybody do everything and no 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 interaction. You know, don't don't mess with my stuff. I think that. You as a deck builder, any player should also be prepared to be interacted with. So I I am a okay with disruption. I love it. I know. Eat your veggies, everybody. Eat your veggies. <laughs> I feel this is why Kill Crim first became like <laughs> a thing on Commander Clash. Like you're right, but like it's not gonna. Is it gonna lead to you winning more if you're the one that's like disrupting oh, no. everyone? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. not at all. Okay. <laughs> The point, but but as you also know, winning doesn't matter to me. <laughs> He's a dark knight. He's a hero we need. Yeah, it is a thankless job, right? Like we'll you got it. You got. He can take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to to lightly put that, yeah, just you know, you're not going to win a lot, but you are doing what needs to be done. I respect that. Y'all, y'all are busybodies. You know, like <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and buy me a bit. If, if these two over here are like fighting it out, I'm like, just let them, you know, let yeah. them deal with each other. Crim Not is like, no, problem. no, let me come in, disarm you guys. Let me, let me wrap the board and clean this up. I'm like, nah, you guys just Yo. go at it. If you come yeah. at me, I'll, I'll do something about it. But otherwise, you can do your own thing over there. I'm not touching Yo. this. <laughs> So I'm gladly, you know, the, uh, the, the, I can get the nickname the janitor now, right? Like, if I come in and I help clean up as much as I need to, and then I'm out. I'm out. Because, <laughs> like, literally, I will die after I clean up everything. <laughs> it kind of feels like a vicious cycle, though. Because once you get that reputation of being the control removal guy who's going to inevitably wipe the board, if the, if one person has a good board state, who are they going to be attacking, right? The person who is going to inevitably wipe the board... Or the other two well, people who they can overwhelm with a superior board state. Who is most likely then going to lose all their stuff, right? Like I know, but you that, know the person isn't that an incentive, if you know the, right? It it never it never ends though, right? Because it's a cycle like you had mentioned. Because yes. like, hey, you have the advantageous board, you're gonna hit the person that probably has the most answers, right? So now you are forcing it so that you are about to lose all your stuff. <laughs> And the other two can now just sit there yeah. and let you get blown up. So in reality, you shouldn't hit the person that has all the stuff because you should hit the others 
Yeah, think about that. Here, here, you hit the others that don't have the answers. I know what you're thinking. Hit those that don't have the answers, right? Because then what are they gonna what are they gonna try to do? Wipe your board. <laughs> to attack you. <laughs> you get the so like because the thing here is if you attack if you attack the the person with all the answers, yes. right? Only that's happening is you and the person that you're attacking now are going to be in an endless war while the other two can sit there on the sideline, Richard, and uh, just, like, benefit from it all the time, right? No. I, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'd rather I, you I, wipe I, the board on a turn, like, turns earlier so I can re- I have a chance to rebuild and for me to commit more stuff on the board only for you to get more of my permanence, right? I guess that's fair. I guess it's fair. Oh well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Point doesn't change. I, I still want to disrupt. Draw engines on the battlefield, then I'm more okay with getting wiped on the board later because I could draw more cards in the meantime, and then I could rebuild rebuild either. But if you're like in a situation where you're like, I have a board state, I have no card sources of card draw, I'm gonna attack the person with the board wipes, right? I want them to just wipe the board now as opposed to later. But if I have card draw, and yeah. So, so then that means what you're saying is. I should be putting Spreading Plague into more decks so then I don't have to cast any more board wipes. <laughs> then you get attacked more, Krim. <laughs> yeah, but then people just will then have to answer it, right? Oh. And, then, and then otherwise nothing hits me because everything dies. Krim's philosophy is so unique compared to everyone else at the table. It's, yes. it's definitely interesting to see. You play Commander like very opposite, I think, that I do in a lot of ways. <laughs> I do play it opposite, but do we not share the same sentiment? What? Doing the we, cool thing we, yeah. and trolling. No, we I both enjoy like a good troll and yeah. behavior. Like like the, 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 the we don't we don't here. try to win. Yeah, we very much so don't try to win. Richard's the only one that Richard really tries wins. to win. Richard doesn't want to be the problem. Richard doesn't run that much removal. He lets other people deal with it. Krim is like the opposite. He's like, no, I'm going to step in and deal with everything because I'm the hero we need. I I, I, but I don't I go don't for ever first win. ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Krim wants to be the arch enemy. Yeah, <laughs> most of the I, time. Like he just <laughs> yeah, built for that role. Doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's odd. My health total isn't the lowest. What happened? <laughs> what has happened? Uh, all right, Seth. Uh, what do you have uh, for us? All right. So we talked about, number one, real winner being who does the coolest thing. Well, you can't do the cool things if you don't build a functional deck. And this is something that I've learned over over the years. and also drives me crazy with decks I see from other people. People want to try to do, like, some really crazy combo, have some really sweet, unique theme, and they get so caught up in the theme or the combo that they forget that for any of this to happen, their deck has to work. They have to have lands and draw cards and, like, have some amount of removal and interaction. Like, all those things are necessary, and they don't work against doing the cool thing. You can be doing the cool thing and building a really flavorful, unique deck and still have your Phyrexian Arena and still have a Wrath of God and, like, still have these nuts and bolts cards that is actually going to let your deck function. And when you think about it, those cards are actually, like, supporting your cool thing because... Because if you're trying to pull off this four-card combo that costs a ton of mana, you need to live for a while. You need to develop your mana base. Like, you have to be able to do those things. So I think one mistake I just see people make, and that I think I used to make more in the past, is you get so focused on doing the cool against the odds things that you end up with a deck that just, like, doesn't work. And then because your deck doesn't work, you never get to do the cool against the odds thing that you've been trying to do and that you built your deck to do. So so don't forget to build a, a functional deck and get too too married to the cool thing. The the functionality is what actually allows that cool thing to happen. 
I fully agree. And so does Toski, honorary bird, <laughs> skeleton, yep. dragon, whatever. Yeah. We like yeah. to we like to meme on you for that, but you're right. Like you wouldn't be winning with Legend and Osprey if you didn't have Toski to draw you cards. So it's not that Toski's like off flavor. It's allowing you to win with fledgling Osprey, which is the whole point of the thing. Like uh, that's isn't that kind of like the truth of it? <laughs> I disagree. I well, like. I agree. I agree that you need a functional deck. However, I think the card pool in Magic: The Gathering or in Commander is so large now that you don't need to rely on like very specific staples to make a deck functional. Like you need X. You need a lot of card. Every deck needs a lot of card draw. Every deck. Every deck needs a lot of card advantage and mana advantage. That's what it really boils down to in Commander. Every deck needs it as a fundamental. Um, and the the more janky and cards you need the more of both you actually really need to assemble things in a in a normal time or like more removal to slow down the game in order to to find it more naturally but like i think every single deck now has so many optional alternative cards like you don't need like a mana crypt for example in your deck to do a janky thing to pull it off like there are a lot of cards that are in your archetype that uh, can function the exact same way and uh, might even be better than than generic staples to just use to synergy options. So I don't think you need to like always reach for like same old staples to make your deck work. You could you could look for cards that fit the archetype, fit the synergies, but fulfill the same role. I would agree with that. I think Jeweled Lotus is one that I hear that a lot about is people are like, well, what if I'm using Jeweled Lotus to like cast my really janky commander in this really janky deck? I'm like, well, it's still Jeweled Lotus. Like it's what still busted. What if I dockside loop to pull off my janky yeah. combo? It's like, well, good job. You're a dockside deck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, build good. Build there, there's, some decks. There, there's some balance there though, yeah. because you don't talk about all the dysfunctional decks that do nothing and you're like i don't even know what your deck does because it like literally went yeah. nowhere like if if fledging osprey never won a game then you would never talk about it and it would not be a thing right so there is some balance there of you need your deck to pop off right and the thing is the jankier your win con the stronger the other half needs to be to make up for the jankiness of your win con so you know, you, if you go one, like, would you would yeah. you talk about it? You did because I only won like <laughs> well, last I mean, year. Like Moonfolk, right? Like Moonfolk, and you're 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 not happy how Moonfolk never win, and then I you played a Moonfolk deck with, with no every Moonfolk. Legal Moonfolk in the deck. I I did. I won with every single legal Moonfolk in the deck. I was like, you guys want from me? I'm being gaslit on this, this game that did not that apparently didn't exist. I'm linking it. I'm linking it in the, the freaking thing. Maybe you should watch it afterwards, Richard. I. I, I think the truth's in the middle. Like, I, I would agree. I think I, I'm, like, in between where the two of you are. Like, I don't... You have to have ramp, but you don't necessarily have to have Mana Crypt or Jeweled Lotus. But, like, you do need to build the functionality. I view Toski as being necessary because I don't think you really have, like, the replacements. So I view that as just, like, something that if you're playing Bird Tribal or whatever, like, you just kind of got to play to make the deck work. And I think that's fine. Like, I, I guess, like... I think sometimes, uh, as someone who played a lot against the odds, it's easy to just, like, eschew all the good cards because you feel like they're not against the odds enough. And eventually you realize, wow, maybe those cards allow me to do the cool against the odds thing rather than, like, diminish the fact that I'm, you know, trying to win in this really ridiculous way. Like, you're already trying to do something really hard. You don't got to make it even harder on yourself by, like, not playing any mana rocks in my deck or something. Like, uh, you can go, like, too hard and too far down that path sometimes. 
Imagine every game was like our movie theme night or something. Oh, <laughs> it's oh like, God. We have no ramp. We have no card oh draw. God. We're like slogging yeah. through with like three threes. We're like, I can't yeah. get anywhere. I think every no. deck can have like some stuff that like, for example, when my equipment deck, I started just taking out like generic Boros signets and stuff like that just because I wanted to put in equipment that made mana instead. That's because like... you're playing a real deck, Tomer, but what, what's the skeleton card draw? <laughs> Skeleton. <laughs> read the bones. Toski. Skeletal scrying. Okay, yeah. What's the skeleton um, ramp? Hmm. Toski. Uh, <laughs> the the answer is Toski is a skeleton. Toski. Toski is just Toski always. <laughs> yeah. it, it depends on the archetype. I think most archetypes like that are legitimate can can find everything on theme and synergy and such. But yeah. all right. Uh, so back to the house of Richard. So we all build 100-card decks, right? I say, don't even bother learning your deck. You should be playing the other 300 cards at the table. So what does that mean? It means, let's say you need a board wipe, okay? You can cast a board wipe, right, if you have one. Or you could let someone else build a problematic board such that Krim casts a board wipe. Now, how do you do that in reality, right? In reality is, let's say they have a token generator and you have spot removal. You can remove it, right? Or you can just let it make tokens and you have blockers. And Krim, who you know has no creatures, will need to wrath, right? So people yeah, like to play other <laughs> cards. <laughs> but you can but play other people's cards for them. I don't have it. Right? And there's Sounds very like easy problem, ways to Krim. do this. Like Skullwinder, right? I can literally give you the card I want you to play. And then you will play it, right? Or, you know, you will have a very high probability if I choose the right card, right? And in the Skullwinder case, the recipient's very happy. I, I remember Seth was so overly joyed to get a Wrath back from the graveyard, use his entire turn to Wrath the board. And he was like, yes, that's like a free card in hand, right? And he was very pleased about it. And I was very pleased about it. It's a win-win. So, like, there, there are lots of scenarios where you don't need to use resources, especially, like, removal. Like, a lot of times people see something scary on the battlefield and they'll remove it but sometimes that thing is not scary to you it's only scary to other players and if it's if that's the case you don't need to remove it right it's not scary to you you let other people deal with it right if there's someone has like a 2020 double strike you know infect trampler and you have a maze of it you don't care about that you don't need to remove it right but Krim needs the wrath for dear god right so <laughs> so there, there's like opportunities like this where you can just let other players play their cards like they would normally do and you don't have to do anything about it. And uh, that's how you get virtual card advantage, right? That's free card draw, you know, an extra turn, extra mana, because you didn't have to spend it. So, yes, you should play your deck, but you should also look at what other people are playing and think what they want to do, and then let them play it out in a way that benefits you. How much of it is knowing the cards, and how much of it is knowing the players? Like... Do you think you take advantage of... I mean, I mean, you have to. Like, you know Krim wants to be disruptive. You know I'm going to be overjoyed that I get the card back with Skullwinder. Like, is it about the decks that we're playing? Or is it, like, our play styles and personality that you can take advantage of? You're kind of like a super villain, Richard. Now that I think about it. <laughs> now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> you, you can tell from the decks, right? Like, if, let's, like if you are... Um, like a spell slinger deck or something, you might be the only thing you're afraid of is probably like counter spells, right? So you know that you need to have the person with the counter spells burn them on someone that's not you, right? Or if you are a creature deck, uh, you're not afraid of other. Maybe you're a green deck, right? You're not afraid of combat. You have the biggest creatures, 
Uh, so you know, like you can tell if Krim has no creatures, he's he's itching for a wrath to protect himself. So you know not to overcommit into that wrath, right? So like yes, it helps if you know the personalities, but you can play at blind tables and figure out. Like if you see their commander, you know what they want to do with their commander. And you know their board state, or you know like the person who's missing land drops will gladly, you know, take, you know, a card drop, a secret rendezvous or something for a favor, right? Or you know, you know, stuff like that. So I don't think it's that like people always say like oh Richard your strategy only works because Crim's at the table I'm like no like Crim Crim has I've been in seasons without Crim right and then they also say like oh you know you you, you don't play with Crim at the table because Crim has counter spells but I'm like I play with Crim too with counter spells that's not a problem right so I don't know I I think it's adaptive and I think it's it's kind of like one v one where you need to know what your opponent's gonna do. And then you can play around it. In Commander, you need to kind of know what your three opponents are going to do, and you play around it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you basically need to know the game plan of their deck and, like, what they're likely to play, and then what you need to do. And things like, if they have no creatures, they need to Wrath. That's, like, very obvious. So, and I, I think it's too bad. I, and I, I think this has even gotten easier in the rise of, like, EDH rack and pre-cons, like... If you see a commander or a pre-con commander, you can probably make a pretty good guess on, like, the general theme of the deck, if not, like, a lot of individual cards in the deck most of the time these days, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I try to use that that philosophy as much as possible now, and it was definitely, like, taught to me by you, Richard, like, that if there's a lot of threats on the table, then you don't necessarily need to just, like, blow your load trying to get the table, uh, get the thing removed, because if it's a threat for the entire table, then you can see if the other ta- if other people will remove it for you instead. And I think that definitely is probably like the single most thing that helped my win percentage is like sometimes I will just have a removal for the thing that is scary and I just won't use it uh, because I know it's scary for everybody else. And maybe because I have the removal for it, I'm not that scared of it and uh, I can hold on to it. Sometimes I'll, I'll pop pop it off if I'm like afraid like the opponent's going to like draw 50 cards or something and get to a, a position where I just will not be able to survive, whatever. But like, I don't know. There's a, there's, there's a lot of situations where like, yeah, I just will let something stick around because I will see if my opponents can deal with it first. And then if I need to deal with it, then I'll deal with it. But only if I need to. Not because like I just like, woof, you know, just boom on something. <laughs> I mean, I... I, I... I do this every every time I play Commander. <laughs> yeah, you're very I, good all, at it, too. Because that's all I do in Magic, right? I, I, if I play Control decks, all I'm yeah. forced to do is see, well, okay, what matters, what doesn't. Okay, sure. They're going to try to force me to sweep the board here, right? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is not sweep the board. And if I die, then the person that now, like, along the way, like, I just won't use a board wipe, right? Like, I will just straight up die. Because <laughs> then that means two other people. Hear me out. Two other people will think that they are going to get, they're going to hold their threats. And then that way, it's just like, okay, cool. Well, Crim's going to sweep, so I'm just not going to play anything. Oh, no, no. Let me show you you the tech, okay? I will straight up just take the L because two people think that they are not, they're saving their resources. And all that's going to happen is I'm going, like, they're going to be so much farther behind than the one person with the aggressive board. So then I leverage that you need me to sweep this person that's got the more, like, the better board, right? And if I die along the way, it's like, well, 
You all gotta now deal with this person who is significantly farther ahead. Crim's trolling for the I, afterlife. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's up, dude? I mean, I, I agree with if you use your removal as leverage before you die. Yeah. I think that's oh, yeah. Uh, After a you very die, oh, yeah. important uh, correct, correct. tool to accomplish. Like, I, I, sometimes I'll tell the table, be like, you know, like, I can remove the threat, but just don't hit me for this turn or something like that. You know, like, that's a pretty common, that's a crim- pretty common request that people will be like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's Sometimes either we die. I, I will do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say I can remove the threat, but then I just don't, and then I just let pass. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> because <Fair>. I will. <laughs> re- I I I want people to know I could, but I won't. <laughs> so, this is too extreme. That. If you yeah. need to sweep the board and you don't have anything, like if you pass the attack and you die, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. But if you're yeah. holding a fog, <laughs> or if you have blockers, or you have a Teferi's probe, and you yeah. have a sweeper, uh, then uh. you can pass because yeah. even if they do attack you, you're good. Yeah. But I don't recommend the Krim take the L and laugh at them from the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't fire Peace. off removal just whenever you can do it when you need to and i think that's yeah. like the the major that's a major level up moment i had in commander from from watching richard well, play basically and crim like crim I, is I, also very good at doing that i i i do what i like like i i when i say like you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna take the l here right it's because a it is it is implied that like the table knows that i have it so mm-hmm. they are choose they are purposely trying to poke me to using it so i counter that by not ever using it and then just take the l <clears throat> but in most decks like that's if you're in a deck that like is sweeper heavy obviously right like if you if your deck is like threat light then like you know i don't i don't know like that's that's a different playstyle all right uh, so House of, House of Krim has died due to not wiping the board. <laughs> but sending a message. House of, House of Tomer, what do you have for us? House of Tomer has a very simple philosophy. This is not political or anything. This is about deck building. Uh, draw more cards. Put more card draw in your deck. Like That's my simple, simple request for most decks. I think the vast majority of decks can get improved. By just running even more card draw. Whatever you think you have in terms of card draw in your deck, put more of it. Because it's good. Card draw, like I think I think you should have a balance of card draw that is both uh incremental, stuff that will draw you like one card per turn, or uh cards that are burst. Like if you really draw like five or more cards. And I'm also going to uh I say draw more cards because it's like more catchy, but I'm I'm mostly meaning about card advantage. Stuff that will generate more cards in your hand, generate more value over time. The more of those you run in your deck, the better. Because card advantage does more than just like make your hand nice and full and hurry hooray it feels nice it makes sure you hit your lane drops on time it makes sure that you have threats and you're curving out on time it makes sure that you draw your protection spells that you need to protect your board on time it makes sure that you have the removal spell that you have in your deck it makes sure everything works a lot more smoothly and especially if you're in a situation where um you know you, you might you might draw some threats um, you want to have the the answers in your hand to rebuild. Like if you have a board state and it gets wiped, well, what's what's going to help you rebuild? It's going to be card advantage. It's going to be drawing cards constantly. If people are trying to counter your stealth or, or spot removal your things, 
the best way, other than, you know, protecting your board with, like, uh, protection spells, is also just drawing more cards so you can replay and redeploy. So I think just card draw is, is kind of underrated. Whatever you think is enough card draw in your deck, put more of it. It's just good. <laughs> it's, like, the best thing in your deck. I used to be, like, there used to be a meme with me and Seth being, like, we'd rather draw cards than win the game. But, like, the more I think about it, like, I just start baking in card draw into all my decks, and they function it's, better. It's, it's not a I, meme. It's, 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 it's still true, Tomer. No, no, no. I, you, have to, you have to play. I'm not saying. I, I've evolved, hopefully, from, like, instead of drawing, like, I'll, I will take game actions to increase my win competitive, <laughs> even if it means not drawing cards. But I will construct my decks to be, like, overloaded with card advantage. I Like, half the deck is not card advantage because it makes my decks run so much smoother. Like, I recovered from board wipes, I hit my land drops, I find the removal spells that I need, I find the protection that I need, all, all that good stuff. It's just, card draws are great. It's I Put more of it. <laughs> Play more Rhystic yeah, studies. studies. You heard it from Tomer. No, god damn. <laughs> yeah, I, no. Tomer just said it right no. there. Really, no. though, like, I agree with you. I love drawing cards. Although, I've kind of learned the opposite lesson over the years, which is, like, you can actually, and it hurts me to say this, you can actually kind of draw too many cards. Like, in the sense that... <laughs> In the sense that, like, I don't know. Sometimes I would draw so many cards I could never use them. Like, if you don't actually have the mana and the ability to deploy the cards, there gets to be a point where there's diminishing returns, I think, at some point. Like, yeah, that's why I went from, like, just always draw cards, draw cards, to more of a mixture of, like, I want to draw a lot of cards, but I also want a lot of mana because I need the mana to cast all the cards that I draw. So I think there, I think it is possible to draw too many cards because if you can't actually use them what was the value of drawing it to begin with if I can't actually get value out of it and play it and impact the board with it? Well, yeah. That's why if you, like, run a lot of stuff that, like, is, like, four mana, like a siphon mine, like, four mana, draw three, each person discards a card. If you're, if you're packed of cards like that that don't do anything on the board state and just put cards in your hand, then, yeah, that's not great. But, like, I'm starting to think more of stuff like Akiri, Fearless, Voyager. Whenever I'm attacking an opponent, I draw one card. So I could draw up to three cards per turn. But it's also a body. It's also forcing me to attack. It also has uh, built-in uh, protection. I recently put in the Hiri, which is both, like, impulse draw and it casts the equipments for free like that's like the best of the best so not only am i drawing the cards i'm just getting to cast put them on the battlefield immediately that's really good just like a jorkadine like i'm just talking about my equipment deck because i have it open because i was preparing for tomorrow but like jorkadine is just like a big old beefer beefy boy who like is going to be four plus trampler and he just draws a card each time he attacks and that's like great like that's that's like the sort of engine that I'm I'm thinking about. Like all these cards are just incrementally drawing like one or two cards, and uh, they're also being proactive. They have another uh, utility to the deck. They could be just uh, being protection. They could be generating mana for me. They could just be uh, doing some good damage and, and being pro proactive on the board. Like just filling your deck with like you know painful truths and stuff like that. Like no, no, that then you're going to just be stuck on stuff but if all your all your other cards are doing things while drawing you cards at the same time i think that's like the the sweet spot i i can get behind that yeah i think that's definitely true the more your card draw can also be doing other things the the better luckily in the current year i think everything does do something and draw cards so. yeah or make mana or make treasures <laughs> only in supported wizards archetypes <laughs> but i still think y'all draw way too many cards <laughs> like tomer's talking about sitting around drooling doing nothing like that's what card draw is <laughs> like just just play play your threats <laughs> like 
But I don't with the game not... with with like your things like rather than like sitting here like oh I need to keep drawing cards I need to keep drawing cards right but because the there, there is a player. I punch people. I punch people to draw cards, Richard. That's my <laughs> that's my thing. Okay, I, I guess like I, I hit you with one one squirrels to draw. Off yeah, you're Tosky. <laughs> Tosky is what I'm talking about. Really, is that really, is that really <laughs> aggro? I mean, yeah, yeah, run more Toskies, run more coastal piracies. Punch people in the face, draw cards. I love punching people in the face. I mean, yeah, I don't... I mean, yeah, draw cards, but I think most people draw cards. I think people get too hung up on actual card draw as well. Like, mm. saying white needs card draw. Like, white has so much card advantage that you don't really need card draw, but Wizards still printing us card draw. Um, there are other ways, like, you know, blinking, recursion, reanimation, stuff like that. Um, like, a one-sided board wipe is, like, drawing 20 cards versus mm. the table. Uh, so there are ways to get it done without actually literally drawing cards. And I do like Tomer's philosophy of like, yes, if you have like a, a card that furthers your game plan, like an equipment commander that also draws cards, that's awesome. Uh, but not all archetypes or not all decks have those cards. Um, and I, I don't agree with the... Seth has changed, but I remember the time where Seth spent like 10 mana to draw a card. Like, what was it, oh, like yeah. magnifying glass yeah. or something? <laughs> I think he it was 6 mana, but it. still, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I remember it was like when he was playing Garth, and he could have regrowth to find an, uh, like a board wipe. He could have used Garth to regrowth a board wipe that we needed in order for the rest of the table not to die, including himself. And instead he went for the card draw to draw cards to hopefully find something else, maybe. I could have drawn a board wipe, Tomer. I could have drawn a board wipe. And then he just dies. He's like, the answer is right there. The board wipe is right there. And he was like, no, I'm going to bring guys for myself. And oops, I didn't find another board wipe. I feel like if we die because of a lack of a a board wipe, it's really crim that didn't do his job. You can't blame me for that. That's a major takeaway. It's a crim that didn't wipe the board. I guess I just lose the game. <laughs> I, I still remember the first time Tomer played six drop six drop tribal. He uh, <laughs> he he cycled a land away to draw a card, yes. and then was stuck on five mana like for the yep. rest of the game <laughs> because he cycled his land away because he just wanted to draw a card. But I'm like the card he needed was a land. <laughs> that was years ago. I'm a changed man. Richard. He's a changed man. He's learned. learned. He's learned from that. And six drop tribal is now way more legit. But that that was the funny thing where it's just like you know no. sometimes. The card you need is already there. You don't need to draw more cards. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. Learn to be a better card drawer. <laughs> All right. Uh, Krim, what do you have for us? Okay. So another thing that I would like for the House of Krim is that casual is a mindset, not an archetype. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, I think I think that like I can play... I don't know, a control deck, right? Let's just use that as an example. And that that's still casual. I think that, like, because, like, legitimately, it's it doesn't matter what you're playing. It, like, it genuinely comes down to how you play it and who you are, like, like, while you're playing that deck, right? Like, if I sit here and I'm super, I could be, I could be the sweatiest bird player, <laughs> you know? Like, I could be the sweatiest birds player. Or... Like, you wouldn't know this, but I actually think I am way more casual than everyone here. Because I literally don't have win conditions. I never try to win. 
I am the most casual person that's probably in this box. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. I want you to have wind conditions, Krim. Uh, please. Yeah. I, mean, I have wind Kill conditions. Us, please. Kill me. What's casual ad nauseum? Casual, yeah. casual ad nauseum is, is like, there's obviously cards, like, you know, like, you, there's no way you're casually demonic consultationing, right? Like, you know You'd what I mean? Like, there's no casual, thor- like, you know, thorical combo, right? Like, that's not, like, exactly casual. But, like, for the most part, I think that there's also, like, everybody thinks, oh, combo, so immediately not casual. But I do think that you can have a combo and still be casual, right? Like, it's just thorical specifically is, like, the frowned upon combo because that is, like, you know, it's not like a actual buildup. You didn't really do anything. Go to Helm, right? Like, like that's not, you know, casual, I guess. So, so, so what is casual then? Like, if those things, like, that's the age how old, do we actually define casual? Casual is, I, as I said, right, it's more likely, like, how you, like, example, like, the mindset of how you built your deck. Like, example, the fact is that I don't try to, I, I'm not trying to win on turn one or two. Right. The one of the best ways is like, hey, when are you trying to win by? Right. Like that's the question that I would rather ask than what's Wait. your arbitrary number deck list. But then I, like, wouldn't, wouldn't a stacks tech be the most casual because you're trying to win on turn 100 or something because you just lock the table out of the game. So like stasis is you, the most casual card of all time. You could you could say that. Yeah. Like like by that. There's but, I, I, that <laughs> but there's an asterisk there, obviously. Right. Because like, again, it comes down to like the mindset of what you're trying to bring to the table. Right. Like and, and that goes into how you deck build as well. So if you're trying to literally stacks lock everybody out, I mean, come on. You what if I smile as I resolve my stasis? <laughs> Does oh, that make fine. it casual? Yeah, that makes it, that makes it a lot better. Okay, you know, stasis and stacks like these are th- like land destruction is it, it, like you know like in, in stasis like like stacks. Wait, 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 Krim, Krim, I that's have a obviously is spreading plague casual. Yeah. What? Are you kidding me? Why isn't it casual? I think the main point of this is casual is hard to define. We no, have an entire podcast on on what that's is true. what is and what I mean, it is hard to define. Casual is somewhat related to power level, but then there are yeah. also cards that are not particularly strong that casual players do not like, like yes. spreading plague. Like not particularly strong. You'll never find spreading plague in a CDH table. No. But if you roll up to a random table and start, you know, so I'm going to cast spreading plague. How do you feel about that? I think a lot of people just run away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like, it, like maybe, but the thing is, like, I don't think that that's like a competitive deck. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Like, yeah, it's not, it's like, not good, but it's and, annoying. And so people don't. Annoying like it, right? is 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 <laughs> yeah, sure, annoying. I agree that it might be annoying, but but I still think that like a that card has a spot at casual tables. I think ca- like you know like I still think a combo player can sit down, yeah, uh, uh, like and, and at the table, right? I, I still think that the most annoying thing is like, oh, I don't want to play against. A combo deck. I don't want to. I I want to. I don't want to play against X Y Z because yeah. it's just an archetype I don't like. It's not casual because it's not the archetype I like. I totally so agree with that. I think I. The, so the message of that is just like, yo, just it. Do, it doesn't matter. Like the archetype. The, like you know. Like they they know the person should have an idea. Like they sit down and they play like a a bunch of fast mana and stomp you out turn two. You know, like that's that's not a casual deck. Right, we we can figure that out pretty mm-hmm. easily. But like, there are tons of decks that just get labeled. Uh, what people consider as annoying is immediately also considered not casual. And I and I think that that's just false. I think that's false. But yeah. what if I mean, my school? <laughs> yeah. But what if my school is trying to do cool things and 
you're just like countering and blowing up the board every turn. Like, isn't Kill that like the opposite of <laughs> of what my school's about? I'm so confused. Deal? Like, yeah, I, but I feel but, like most people my... would not consider that to be casual. No, like, uh, I, wait, I, I'm totally, I'm t- totally with Krim on this one. Like, I, I hate, I personal pet peeve is when people say like no combos. When, when in reality, what people actually mean, I think, for casuals is that we don't want combos that can be easily assembled or two-card combos and can win the game very, very quickly, right? Like, uh, Thoracle is three mana total. Uh, it's very hard to interact with. You basically need a counterspell uh, to stop it, or else they just lose and it's two cards. Whereas, I've never seen anybody complain of me trying to Cauldra combo people out. I need Helm of Cauldra, Shield of Cauldra, Sword of Cauldra, Ashnod's Altar, and Altar of, Demen- or Altar of the Brood. I need all all four of uh, all five of those cards. Um, never, I've 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 never pulled it off, but never have I once said, "Hey, this is my combo. Is this okay?" And people say, "No, this is awful." But like, it's a combo, right? It's still it's still a combo. Uh, but people just generally just throw those sorts of things out. And yes, in in pre pre game discussions, people will say no combos, and that's like very frustrating because that means like a lot of different cool strategies are just out the window, even if they take much, much longer and are much, much harder to win with than the somebody else's casual deck that has a crater hoof in it, for example. Um, and, and also control. It's like, okay, well, my cool thing gets shut down by removal, so therefore you running removal is not casual of you. Well, no. It's like there are degrees to these things. And even stacks, like if I'm running just like a, a Thalia and I'm running like a Leonin Arbiter or something like that, or an Avon Mind Sensor, is that automatically the cdh no it's it's like minor sex there's always degrees to it if i'm dropping down like winter orb on my urza deck yeah that yeah, that is that's CDH. different right like, there's that's also, a no there's no a spectrum between like each archetype has a spectrum between casual and and cdh and yes there are some cards that are just like they're bad but like they're also frowned upon and we could we could avoid those things but like entire archetypes being just like disallowed at casual it's kind of it's kind of weird and uh kind of limiting for no reason i think and before anyone yells at me in the comments that Crim's saying that because he's a combo player, I think I, I think I read some comments where people called me that. And I was like, I, I I don't know if you know this. There's a long running record on our stats episode where combo wins. I have that season, and I have the big zero every season. I don't even have win cons. I mean, Notion Wheel uh, counted as a win, but we conceded to it instead of sure, you winning. sure. But that was me. But why did we? Why did I have Notion Wheel? We built our first deck, yeah. so that was EDH way back. And since then, I removed that. Right? Uh, yeah, and I, I run just combos. Play. I run combos. I had two combos winners only. I don't know. It's so weird yeah. that people would be like, "Ugh, it's a combo." It's like it's like a five card combo. But, Leave me alone. Uh, let me let me y'all, ask you though, Domer. Like y'all combo you gotta, players. <laughs> I mean, no ramp. Sorry, everybody. No oh, ramp. Sorry. Pod. The only way I can kill people is with combat do not see, damage. Okay, Let me okay, bring okay. out my crater hoofs. Let me interrupt you. As a, as, a, as, a, as a fair magic player who hates okay. combos, this is why people don't like combos. Although, you know, I don't really hate combos, right? But so we're playing this game of magic, interactive magic. You know, yeah. you're trying to interact more back and forth, creatures, combats, counting life totals. And then someone comes along and says, let me invalidate the entire board state and game and anything that happened up to this point and just win on the spot. So that's why people dislike combos. But, you know, is a five-card combo that bad? Probably not. You probably shouldn't care about that. But you can see why people get salty about a two-card combo. 
But like, I think but there's actually, a big difference between like Thoracle, which you need literally a counter magic, and let's say a combo that requires like five permanents on the battlefield, and none of them have hexproof or, or shroud or whatever. Like, yeah, just freaking sure. use a removal spell. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like combo's fine, but like you should see, you should be able to understand why people like casual players dislike combos because you invalidate like basically everything that happened before then. Like, why why keep track of life tolls? It doesn't matter, right? Like, but, it, you know. But why just, is magic a fun off. game? Magic's a fun game because of the various ways you can win, right? The alternative, the one thing I love more than anything is alternative win conditions that aren't combat related. So like, yeah. I, like, like mill, right? Like what if I just up and out of nowhere mill you out, right? Like, like it's like, I still think that's pretty cool. I think that's great. I think that like, yeah, like what about burn? That's not combat, right? Like I think burn is really cool. So... <laughs> I, I think that magic is beautiful as a game because there's so many ways to win outside of the The, the perception is it's too so, easy. That like the mm. same reason people hate infect, right? right? Because it's too easy because you you circumvented like the normal life total. So like sure. when the combo becomes too easy, people get mad. Yeah. And that that I think sure. is usually like a two card combo people get mad. Yeah, like Godo or or, or yeah, like yeah. yeah, like Thor. Yeah. But like right? once like, you yeah. get four, five, six, like people get less mad because they see that it was just as hard to assemble the five card combo than it was to like, you know, hit you five times in combat or whatever. But I can totally sympathize with people that don't like combo. One of my favorite, also, one of my also favorite varying degrees. Of, of, like, two-card combos, by the way. Because yeah. I also think... Like, example, like, if the two-card combos Bruvok and, like, uh, whatever the mill spell is... Double from, the milling, yeah. Yeah, doubles the mill, right? Like, that is, like, not as easy to put together <laughs> as, yeah. like, Thoracle, right? So, well, but, yeah, like... Bruvok's yeah. a commander, that's pretty easy. I mean, that's still pretty easy. Yeah, Bruvok's <laughs> your commander. <laughs> yeah, Bruvok's your commander. Well, but then that's, like, you gotta, like, sit there. You gotta, like... And you, then your opponent... You gotta spend this, like, six-mana spell. I don't know. I, I think that, like, two-card combos... That's scary <laughs> as hell, yeah. It's a sorcery. A what lot. am I going to do in my black deck? I don't know. <laughs> Remove Bruvok. <laughs> okay. That's I mean, much easier than, like, 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 a, a, like a Thoracle combo, though. Yeah, it is easier. There are the, you at least can interact with the permanent. But, I don't know. Uh, for, for Richard, though, like... My, one of my most notable Richard wins was when he did the all MDFC deck and he Charbelcher won. And I I thought that was super cool. But if we're if we're talking about like wins out of nowhere and validates the board state, Richard, I, have, I don't think did anything that game. And then he played Charbelcher and he activated Charbelcher and killed somebody. And I think he did like instant speed or he like untapped it and then he killed somebody else too. Yeah, and yeah. like there was a game going on. Stuff was, life totals were changing. And then Richard was like, all right, here's my... Here's my win condition. You're dead. You're dead. I thought it was freaking awesome. And I remember the viewers loved it. But, like, is that not essentially just what a combo does, too? And this was, like, a basically a one-card yeah. combo, right? Like, because it's just you play Char Belcher and you activate it. Well, I mean, I had to build a whole deck around yeah, it. Yeah, build a whole <laughs> deck but, around but, it. But, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, that, I think, would be totally casual-friendly and acceptable at most places. I mean, I, I thought it was acceptable because be... I played yeah. it, but <laughs> I, I could see how someone could get salty over it. Like, I could totally see why someone would get mad about it. Well, they should cry. But, know. you know, yeah, I'm like, okay, do you, you know, there, there's some level of saltiness that's acceptable, right? Yeah. So you got you to gotta figure where it is, but, yeah. It's a combo debate. 
We'll, we'll let us know in the comment section what do you think. Wait, what if it's a synergy cover? What if it's not a combo? <laughs> what if it doesn't win the game? <laughs> all right, Seth, what do you have for us? Uh, <clears throat> all right, last last uh, tenant of my college. Just because it's good for an opponent doesn't mean it's bad for you. Uh, I think this is something a lot of a lot of people miss and still haven't woken up to. But like, you're playing commander. There's three opponents in the game. Helping one of those opponents, and we've talked about this before in various contexts, but helping one of those opponents can be beneficial for you as well. It's not a zero-sum game like a one-versus-one format. And we've talked about Richard uh, Secret Rendezvous, a big one that we've seen this as an example of. We've talked about the hunted creatures that come down and give an opponent things. Cards like that are actually really beneficial, and I think it carries over into gameplay to some extent as well. Like, uh, the way that you play the game, you can be doing something that's mutually beneficial with one opponent and that can still be the right choice for you and it can be increasing both of your odds of winning the game which is something that just doesn't happen in 1v1 format so uh, don't be afraid of cards that uh that are beneficial to an opponent as long as they are benefiting you uh just as much as that opponent or hopefully even more than that opponent those it's not a 1v1 format you shouldn't just write those cards off completely you shouldn't write those plays off completely because it's a it's a four player game which really changes the equation of the math on on uh, those things i agree like if you know tomer is frothing at the mouth ready to go <laughs> maybe it behooves you to give him a pointy stick <laughs> to, to, to assist him in poking everyone give me the stick <laughs> give me the stick Richard. give him the stick give me the stick <laughs> i want a punch yeah i mean i agree this is kind of like on richard's point too like playing the table like you can use a, a threat at the table to your advantage and you always have to uh, analyze the threat on how it affects you like i know some people get upset like dranith magistrate for example dranith magistrate <laughs> controversial card everybody <laughs> hates it everybody's like oh frothing at the mouth at it already but there have been times when somebody else plays a dranith magistrate and my commander is like very mid like yeah sure <laughs> i would love my my commander to be out on the battlefield but you know what I don't want the Maelstrom Wanderer to cast his <laughs> commander. I think mm-hmm. the Maelstrom Wanderer's commander is better than mine. So you know what? I'm going to keep the Dranth Magistrate on the table. I'm not going to remove it. Let the <laughs> let the Wanderer deal with it. Or just like any name a billion other uh, commanders that once they've arrived on the battlefield, you're like, okay, well, if we don't deal with this immediately, we all lose. Like. Not all commanders are, are built easy, uh, equally, and if you're playing a, a weaker one than your opponents, let them deal with the Dranth Magistrate. How about that? And there's like a, a dozen different examples of that, but I know Dranth Magistrate is a, a nice little hot hot topic, so I threw that out there. Dranth Magistrate is fine. Yeah, it's a fine card. It's actually, Play more Magistrate. It, it's no, a, it, but is it's it a casual kind of card? Is it a casual it card? Is. That's the real question. It is. It is. <laughs> Just, it just runs so bad. Storm, so it's a uh, win condition, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And, and the opposite is true too. Just because it's bad for you doesn't mean it's good for your opponent. Uh, yeah. There, there are two other opponents as well. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it may be bad for you, but the person who did it to you may actually be in a worse off spot. So you need to I... kind of evaluate the whole table at once. I think that TLDR is don't think of four player games the same as two player games because it's not like there's a it's a really really big difference. All right, so back to House of Richard. This one I yoinked from Tomer, which I really liked. Play to be invited back. So we were talking about 
getting all sweaty here, maybe winning, maybe maybe asking I, what I casual is, <laughs> what is not casual. Well, you know what? It's a social game, and it is advantageous to you to have people want you in their pod rather than be like, I never want to play with this guy ever again. So, you know, what does that mean? You know, that means being flexible that means okay like you know don't do obvious things like maybe rules lawyering don't don't like take people's cards and shuffle them when they don't want you to touch them don't don't do like those weird things that you might actually do in 60 card 1v1 but also things like adjust yeah like can you imagine if someone just took your like 100 card deck and started dropping it all over the place oh you search i i I gotta cut your deck hold on all right yeah yeah, yeah. i'm a riffle shuffle as well but also be flexible. Like if you know, let's let's say we're talking about that combo discussion, right? Like maybe for you, a four card combo is casual, right? But the other people at your play group think it's not casual, right? You may want to consider changing it so that the other people in your pod have a fun time, right? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you want to stand your ground, right? But it's a there's like the the pregame talk and the especially if a play group like just just adjusting to each other's play patterns and preferences. Uh, so, yeah, I think in the game, you, you should play to win, but you should also remember that you see these people after the game and outside the game, right? So you don't you don't want to do something too crazy or something that goes against kind of the ethics or morals of the group or, you know, whatever their, uh, their, their school of thought is, right? You want to keep in mind that, you, you know, you got to, you gotta maybe they're your coworkers, maybe they're your <laughs> classmates, maybe they're your son. I don't know. Right? You gotta you gotta remember this life after this game, right? So you gotta you gotta keep things cordial. Right? You yelling at your son about you didn't you shouldn't shouldn't have countered my spell. You scrubbed. Does it go? Does it go into your deck building too? Like, have you ever like not played a card? for this reason where you think it's gonna like the rest of the table's not gonna be happy or they're not gonna have fun or they're not gonna want you back like do, do you think that through as you're building your decks yeah, i don't play spreading no. plague yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, why I, is I, spreading plague I don't play here? that card is not even like that bad it's like not bad at all first. i, I mean Monster. the cdh cards right first is amazing yeah. I, yeah i think also just more fundamentally like I find it like if you're just being if you're a chill person, if you have a chill personality, if you're not getting salty, if you're complimenting the other people at the table, if you're making banter, you're making small talk, you're just treating it as a social event, which we have to remind ourselves sometimes that commander is just a social event. It's it's we're essentially playing a board game. We're all sitting down together and we're playing a game with rules and we're chilling with each other. That's what it really is. It's a social event. So if you are good at social events, people will want to invite you back to more social events. And same thing with Commander. If you're chill and nice and welcoming and people are easy to be around you at Commander, it doesn't it doesn't even matter what you play. Like I remember I got stomped by what was it? It was just it was I think it was like some hardcore Urza stacks deck, and the guy was just so nice. He was just so chill the entire time. Like, yeah, I got stacks out, but it was generally just fun hanging out with the person. So I didn't mind it. Like, I mean, I, I wanted him. He swapped out the, the, the deck afterwards, which is great. But, like, if, if somebody was being, like, salty and stuff when we were targeting his Urza deck or something like that, then it would be ten times worse. Like, not only are you playing an annoying commander or whatever, but now you're being a jerk about it. Like... 
like you could play you could play like really mean salty cards but if you're just generally nice enough to be around it becomes less salty like i honestly think that so uh, it's something that I work on too. Like I, I, I wish I was, I was always the guy that everybody was like, "Hey, we love having you around. Let's do it again." Like I get salty sometimes. I have to work on it. But like that is definitely the the number one out of all of these all all of these uh, rules. I would say this is the number one rule is to play to be invited back. It doesn't really matter what you're playing. It's like how you play it and how you interact with people. It's a good life rule too. <laughs> Even yeah. outside of magic, if you live that yeah. way, things will probably go it's better for you. Yeah. <laughs> live so you'll be invited back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just go and burn bridges wherever I go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do it in real life too. I just walk into Thor. The cr- like, hey, nice, nice, nice crater hood. I don't shower for days, and I, I work out ahead of time, so I get a, I, I get an aroma, so that my opponents get distracted by it. And then I, if they say any take backs, they'll say no take backs. I, I imagine Krim just walking around the grocery store and like hitting things out of people's hand and being like counter spell and then like walking out. <laughs> just swatting a can out of like someone. Yeah. <laughs> Trolled you. <laughs> you that, that is what I do <laughs> on my off time when I'm not on camera. <laughs> I just go at my own leisure swatting people. <laughs> <laughs> and yelling out the name of counter spells, yeah. Force of will. Everyone's just like a cat who's just, just up to no rush. And then, uh, yeah, you know. House of Tober, what do you have for us? Alright, this is a simple one. Um, always pay the one. That's it. You always pay the one. Like if, if Seth doesn't po- even know what you're this saying is, right now. Like, what, what this is, is directly the opposite of House of Seth, by the way. This, yes, this is, this is your Ristic study situation where, like, if one person has a Ristic study, you what you, what I always do, and this has gotten more effective for me uh, over the years, is I just say like, if everybody else pays the one, I'm always going to pay the one. If people don't pay the one it's just not going to work out for you. Like maybe, maybe the three of you can overpower the Ristic study player. Maybe you're at a board state where you can do that, but giving the blue player unlimited cards is just not going to work out for you. Nine times out of 10. I've seen it so many. I've seen it for a decade. I've seen it for a decade. I know. I'm sorry. Deep in my heart. I have a question. Dean Tomer. uh, I'm looking at your first point. Don't play scared. Why should I? Why should I pay the one? Oh, I don't play. I don't play scared. I pay the one, and I swing all my all my units at that person with no fear. But I just don't you know, just play. Just play correct. I don't know. There's the same with the attempt of discovery thing. We talked about attempt of discovery, like how if people all just say yes to the the land. It ends up bad for people. Like, yes, you can ju- you can make any justification on why you can't pay the one, why you have to say yes to the Temple of Discovery. You have to, you don't pay the one to the Esper Sentinel or whatever, whatever, whatever your idea is. You can justify it any thousand ways you can, but you are giving your opponent the game, essentially, if you're just going to just let them have all the resources that they want. Do you know? I mean, that's just how I, I fully agree. That's just how it is. You know, just just don't do it. Just play smart, play to win. Don't why do, don't do why it. Do, whoa, why? whoa, that's pretty sweaty of you. Play to win. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I don't okay. Do don't don't play to win. Play to make sure the risk study player loses. How about that? <laughs> okay, that's fair. You that's play a risk study. I'm paying spells. the one, and I'm swinging everything until you die. I don't care when the risk study's gone. That I, I remember this. But what if You're I really down. need? 
But what if you need the mana, Tomer? No. No. Seth, as someone who's perpetually stuck on lands, even I say no to Tempted Discovery. <laughs> like, stoned. But what if you get a really good non-basic no. in your deck that you can get? <laughs> no. What if I'm empty-handed and I really need the card? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I mean, think House of Tomer, or sorry, House of Richard and House of Seth can form an alliance here. Yeah. I, I oh, think you God. Just, hey. I think, so I think it's correct if everyone pays the one. Yes. But there's always someone that won't. And you might as well be that person. <laughs> yeah. Get it rolling because no. it, it, there, there are more, I think there are more cases where you don't pay or you pay and everyone else doesn't and you get behind. Then there are cases where no, everybody pays and you're all equal. So I think you might as well just you know, agree that we're entering this weird arch enemy game <laughs> state where this player is going to draw 10 cards <laughs> and hope your mana is enough to like overcome this person. <laughs> yeah, the, Honestly, the color I mean, with free we, counter magic is really going to struggle so, to, to stop you. So question, Tomer. You literally Tomer. just did this, Tomer. You, you, me, you know, and like Andrew, we all paid the one. I skipped yeah. my turn to mana rock. So we, I could pay the one for Aristic Studies. It was such a buddy. breath of fresh air. Also at Richmond, yeah. I think I came across like three Aristic Studies and we all paid the one. It was wonderful. The Aristic Study player did not win any of those games. Um, it was so it's so wonderful to be in the Sethless yeah. pod and people are just being responsible <laughs> gamers. It was it was magical. I but remember... Think, maybe Aristic Study is not a problem, actually. It's, it's not about... Yeah, you you just banned it, actually, in our playgroup. But remember, yeah, it's about doing the... Play with you. <laughs> it's about doing the cool thing, Tomer. Like, that's the important thing here. Not who wins. Not who pays the one. Yeah. Well, okay, if you want to do the cool thing, the one's not the cool. player access to all his counter magic so you can counter all the cool things you're, you're going to do. <laughs> But counter magic uh, is cool. I, so I you're don't... actually you're kind of being rude by not letting the blue player do I'm... the thing they, they do. You want to do the cool thing? Pay for risk study. How about that? Okay, if I phrase I... it if I phrase it that way, will you do you understand? <laughs> you need one of those like government infomercials that try to scare people into doing it. That would be a good short. We should we should do that. We should work on that. Um, seriously, though, Tomer, outside of me being in the play group. And, like, this Richmond game, how often does what Richard said actually happen? Like, how often does it end up in a situation where you're like, I'm going to be responsible, and then the person behind you, like, isn't, and then it all falls apart and you're at a disadvantage? Like, overall, does it happen often in your experience where you're the only one that's not getting the land? You're the only one that's, like, oh. you know, playing properly? No. When I'm not there. When I'm not there. No. <laughs> At casual games, it's very easy. I just say, like, if everybody pays, if everybody's paying the one, I'm paying the one. That's it. Yeah. And if people don't pay the one, then I'm not paying the one either. I mean, you're not going to be the only legit, one behind. It's just like a social contract. Yeah. Right? Like, right there. It's just we're like, hey, if we're making last, this deal. Though. What? <laughs> huh? If you go first, like, people No, I mean, I'll, I pay the want. one on my turn. If people afterwards don't pay the one, then okay. From the future, I will not pay the one either i mean it sucks to suck but like, you're behind already <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> whatever well, that's the, the way good, that's the way you thing have to is, play the game i just like tomer had mentioned i feel like i've also had that happen where i just announce it and we all just pay and we just we just slowly just we slow our game down we don't there's no option it's just thalia <laughs> It's just Thalia. <laughs> it's Thalia. It's a sphere of resistance. I, I, I don't. I don't believe you guys. Yeah, no, it, me like, either. I, I've had one game where this happened, and then all the other games, everyone just goes try on. It. Games, just try games it. without Seth. Games without <laughs> Seth. <laughs> games without Seth. Yes, games without Seth. It happens more. Like it happens. Everybody just pays the one if you just responsibly, responsible gamers. 
I don't know if I believe it. I believe it's happened before, but I don't know if consistently, like, there's got to be more me's in the world. Let me let me know in the comments. Am I the only one that refuses to pay the one every time? Yes. (laughs) There there has to be corner cases where not paying the one is going to work. Like, let's say you're comboing off. Yeah, you mill them out. No, and the blue player is tapped out. And you it know they've works. already used their fierce and their force, <laughs> and their and their second force actually force of negation, force of will, and their fierce guardianship, and they're tapped out. And it sounds like playing off. scared, Tober. There's yeah, like a yeah, lot of does. checks you got. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be going through here. All right. Are that's, you afraid that's, of paying that's all the I one? Got, though. Just, <laughs> just pay the one. All right, House of Crib, bring us home. What do you have? Oh, it's very easy, and it's going. It guarantee you your quality of happiness. Uh, and and joy playing the game will spike up in Commander. Always stop the artifact deck. Simple as that. <laughs> Every I'm not saying now. By the way, I know that just on the just piggybacking off what I said prior about you know it like the, every deck can be casual. Artifact decks are casual. That doesn't change that you shouldn't stop them. <laughs> stop them. Stop them. Stop I, them. I, I feel like I'm being called out. I'm being targeted. You're, you're okay, here, maybe bro. maybe because you are also the artifact player. But if there is ever an artifact deck, just stop it. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter. Don't politic. Just, just hey, I know what your deck does. I know what it can do. And I know that if you literally sit there for 32 turns and do nothing, you can still win out of nowhere. So, like, never feel bad. Just just, just get the artifact player out of there. Steal their lands. Do what you got to do. Like, just make it so the artifact player, look, they, they know what they signed up for. They played the artifact deck. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Decks, artifact decks accidentally combo. They accidentally combo. There are so many artifacts nowadays in Magic, and and always, always, artifact decks find a way to be broken or to win out of nowhere. What if there's a green player at the same table? Who do who do you stop, Grim? <laughs> what if it's Elf does the Ball? Green, does... What if it's Elf <laughs> if it's... Ball? Oh, then I support Elf Ball. Elf Ball's great. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I despise green, but strategically speaking, this is the sweatiest I will get here. <laughs> strategically speaking, it is always correct to stop the artifact deck. What if it's an equipment deck? Is an equipment deck an artifact yep. deck? Yep, sure, it sure is an art. What happens if the equipment deck goes off? You never kill that creature again, right? If what you, if if you a, get Sunforger... deck? If it's a cult oh, deck, then, yeah, that... you, okay. Well, see, they didn't play artifacts. They skip their turns three times because <laughs> they have to. The, each piece they play is them Ouch. skipping their turn. That's if, not an artifact deck. What if my equipment deck has four pieces of cauldra? <laughs> so they have four, three dead draws and a okay seven drop. Okay, got it, got it. So when I say artifact deck, I mean a real artifact deck, Dang. not not one that skips their own turn. So now are you hitting me out? Now you're insulting my deck at the same time. <laughs> So, so I don't know if I have this hard and fast rule about artifact decks, but I do think there's some good advice in, like, know who the arch enemy is. Like, know who's playing yeah. the busted thing, like, going into artifact a game. Deck. Sometimes it's an artifact deck. Sometimes it's, like, you know, there's a feather player, and if they get their stuff set up, it's going to be this lock that's unbeatable or, what, like, whatever that archetype happens to be. So even though I don't have the, the same rule as Kramath, just always go after the artifact player, like... You do want to be aware of the power level of what's going on at the table and, like, how those commanders can work and, like, know which ones do need to be dealt with preemptively. I think, like, Phil's a good example of this with the Dex Eastway. We talked about it before. Like, you got to really deal with it or else it's going to be impossible to deal with it if you let it get to that point. So I think that Krim has some good advice Seth, there, even if I don't want to just always hate on the Affinity player. 
Seth is packaging it nicer than I am, but he's also kind of just... Pre- You're right. Assess the th- the arch enemy at the table. And when there's an artifact player, it's always them. Oh <laughs> okay, okay. That's, that's fair. Is that better? Is that better? Okay, like, we, can, we can go better? with that. <laughs> we can agree with that. Sure. Richard, do you have a number one threat assessment on artifacts? No. I, I don't know what artifacts for Crimson bad. Maybe because I play bad artifacts all the time. But, you know, like, is, do, do Togolocks no count thing. as artifacts? That's an artifact you know, deck. That's more of like an aristocrat deck, depending on how you build it. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I like Seth's answer, you know. I, yeah. I, actually, I, I would say that if, if you are the arch enemy deck, don't get salty when your stuff is removed. Yep. Like, what's worse is, like, when someone plays Feather, and they're like, oh, why can't you let my Feather stick? I'm like, you know, if you untap with Feather, like, you win. So, yeah. yes, you're gonna, we're going to keep removing it, and you're going to look like you're doing nothing the whole game. Because if my you get Zada to do something, Richard, so you're going to win. <laughs> right? that's, so we, I mean, we, that's we what you sign it, up right? for. If you play yeah. Feather, that's what you sign up yeah. for, and you just got to be okay with that. Yeah. 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 I agree with Seth. I, I don't know. I don't know why, what, what artifact are hurt crim so much but literally all of them <laughs> literally all I, I of guess them. my 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 piggyback on that one is if crim is at your table put away your artifact that can play anything else ideally something without green that's that's yeah. my number one strategy play a non-green <laughs> Mo- mono artifact green deck. artifact deck <laughs> oh my god can you imagine a mono green artifact deck how would that even look <laughs> <laughs> all right so that that concludes our house our houses are all over the place i don't know where we are but... i'm pretty consistent i don't know what you're talking about oh, I, know. So... <laughs> I, I feel tover's house changed halfway through as his philosophies collided with each other you took one of mine <laughs> Took I'm the money. only house that was consistent all the way through. It was very consistent, but yep. it's okay. You know, life life is not totally consistent. You know, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of scales. Mm-hmm. What is casual? What is a combo? We don't know. Right? That's why that's why we go to university to learn about these things to to, to broaden our minds. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're the teachers. So yeah, 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 yeah. we're the teachers. This is a discount college. Okay? It's an yeah. online. <laughs> you, you just subscribe to us, and we'll send you, we'll send you diploma over. Okay. <laughs> so Boy. that concludes uh, our our University of Jank. Have you learned anything? Do you agree or disagree with anything? And what school will you join? Or do you think this is all rubbish, and you'll start up your own school, a competing school? <laughs> Let us know in the comments, and uh, we'll see you all back here next week. <laughs>